Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We know it's the offseason. We, we charge on, and we hope, at least to a certain degree, you're charging on with us. We know these are more team-specific podcasts. Hopefully the split we're doing is split up enough where at least, you know, one fan base will find interest in one of the other fan bases we co- uh, or seasons we cover, even if it's not theirs. Yeah, hopefully that, but hopefully you're just listening to all of them just to get kind of a recap of, of what happened. We would hope so. That would be, I mean, that's a commitment. I don't know if you're really a big 10 fan, you'd kind of want to know what every team is doing going into the next season. Yeah. I don't know if there's that much commitment among our brethren. But I hope so. We need we need like a, a poll, I think. Did you I, listen to all of these? Did you listen to two of them? Maybe, be honest now. Yeah, maybe yeah. we do that. We will do that afterwards. That's a great idea, all right. man. All right. So we this will be another three-team podcast. Uh, we are going to be doing the Penn State Nittany Lions, the Purdue Boilermakers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So east, west, east. For this one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Try to split it up at least one team from each division. I think we will yeah. have officially succeeded in that. I think so. By the end of the next podcast. Uh, I believe we got some housekeeping items. A little bit of housekeeping here. Okay. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. First up, Michigan quarterback Joe Milton has TP'd. He's in the TP, baby. What a, just a. What, what do you call it? His era, roller, his... like roller coaster, isn't a good because that kind that of kind though. Of dates, well, but that means several ups and downs. This was one up and one down, and that's it. Yeah, but I'm. I mean, there was kind of excitement when he was the backup to Patterson. Then there was kind of the competition, and he wins the competition, and then he gets. You know, as as most Michigan quarterbacks do, gets anointed the next Heisman Trophy winner. And then he has a couple really good games. And then he kind of, the bottom falls out and he loses his job. But then he regains his job and he loses it again. I I think it's a little weird that he's transferring, to be honest with okay. you. Okay. Well, it's a little bit weird in the whole, the whole breadth of the situation. But after what we saw last season, was it really that surprising to see him in the TP? Well, look. I'm not saying he had a great season, but he's a talented guy. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have the mental aspect that it takes to be a quarterback, but I don't know that we know that yet. Because I don't know how we could know that. Because they had no playmakers on offense. They had no scheme on offense. There you go. It wasn't just his fault. It was the entire team's fault. So, yeah, he played poorly, I guess you would say, but the whole team did. I felt like he looked like a talented dude in control of the surroundings when I saw him against Michigan, uh, Minnesota that first sure. week. Okay. Now we, you know, going back in time, that was a struggling Minnesota defense until they got things a little bit more figured out, but I still felt like he gave off this aura of leadership. I thought so. I, I, I didn't think I was, I don't think I was intoxicated by the Michigan fanfare no. that was out there. I, I thought I saw that with my own two eyeballs. I tell you what, when I saw the news, my first thought process wasn't to blame Joe Milton in this case. It's more like what's going on with Khaki and the program. Like, well, I, okay, maybe that surprise you to see him go to a 
I don't know if he'll go to a a lar- a, a big name power five team. I, no, I don't think so. But would it surprise you to him to go to a Houston type of no, of, of course not, and excel? I think no, I think he can go uh, somewhere so and I. excel. So do I. And you know, I I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on the guy saying that he doesn't have what it takes mentally to be a quarterback. It's just we didn't see it last year. Never had a chance. Never got a, he never yeah. got a chance. So he's he's clearly talented with both his arm and his legs. But maybe this is more on the Joel Milton side saying, "Look, this is a disaster here. I just want to go somewhere else." That's the debate. It would be interesting to in a, in just like a perfect I could I get to control the world in Michigan for one day. I would love to sit down with Joe Milton and his family for a couple hours oh, yeah. and then sit down to with khaki pants and the co- coaching staff for two hours and just hear them see how different the story would be. Yeah. T- take notes, compare, like l- let's hear him tell the same story from both sides. What, 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 incredible. Oh my gosh. It'd be fantastic. All right. Moving right along here real quickly. Nebraska versus Illinois was scheduled to be played in Dublin, August 28th. As predicted, that has been moved to Champaign-Urbana, so Illinois will – they were still the whole home team in Dublin, but they will stay the home team in Champaign, obviously. And I plan on being there if it's a normal, it's yeah. you know, full capacity. Or even or even a capacity. Um, It'll be capacity. There will be capacity. I'm pretty there. sure. Uh, well, and – I was I will announce this week. I don't know if that's in your in your, uh, mm-hmm. but they 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 plan to have they they've stated it publicly that they plan to have uh, fans in Kinnick Stadium this fall. Did they say how many though? They have not stated that. Okay, but I think it was more of a, a sh- I wonder if it was. I took it as a little bit of a shot across the bow to yeah. Warren in the Big Ten. Like, sure, hey, this revenue we get from this gigantic cavernous sure. stadium being at least partially, <laughs> you know, the one with- that we just renovated again. We would like humans in it to attend. So I, I think I think you're going to see more teams in the Big Ten announce that. Um, ben meaning to ask you, you know, I understand the novelty. I mean, we talked about it on one of the previous podcasts. I hope we see this type of game again in the future. With that being said, is isn't it probably more of an advantage for Illinois that the game is in Champaign? Of course it is. Okay. So I would think diehard Illinois fans – aren't really worried about the loss of the novelty. They're more excited about the fact that they get a home game now. The diehard fans were upset about it in the first place. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We had a, we did record this whenever it was announced a couple years ago. I actually was kind of excited about it, but yes, most big time Illinois fans were upset, especially the season ticket holders were pissed. And I wouldn't blame them. And local business holders, owners were pissed. And they definitely need a shot in the arm as much as anybody. Correct. So in the end, I think I'm happy to see it back in I, I am too, considering the circumstances, yeah. Selfishly, sure. I would have loved to have seen what the Dublin scene looked like. It would have been cool, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Testudo Times, an SB Nation site, has, has reported that Maryland has promoted a senior analyst, one of their senior analysts, <laughs> to special teams coach and associate head coach. This... Senior analyst's name is Ronald Andrew Zook. Woo-hoo-hoo! The Zucker. The Zucker's back, baby. We get Diaco back and lose him. And to fill the the coaching <laughs> hilarity void, we get to the fill Zucker. the strain void is Ronald Zook. How much you bench? Yeah, How mis- much you bench? Mr. Bench, Mr. Waterski is back. He was at Illinois from 2005 to 2011. Then he was at the Green Bay Packers from 2014 to just 18. Just following Kurt's teams around. Oh, just I couldn't shake the guy. 
But I'm glad in the, he's back in the Big Ten. Also glad he's not at Illinois. I'm surprised he didn't follow up the Legion. Wind up with the Legion at some point. Like, did, did you ever hear him do that? I do, tried not to hear him as much as possible. <laughs> he did color for like a sort of UCLA game one time. Okay, I don't remember like FS1 or something. He was the color guy, and yeah. some you know UCLA versus I don't know San Diego State or something like that. He was the color guy, and. I, I was watching the game just to hear what he would say. And he lost his voice during the game and they had to yank him off the air. <laughs> oh, Zucker. Oh. But with that being said, God, I bet he'd be a fun to, guy to knock a couple hey. back with and listen to stories. Are you are you kidding me? My so my all the my, time he spent in the Big Ten, the SEC, my and buddy, the NFL. Bill King, you know, uh WNSR radio. Love him. He's he's my my broadcasting hero i got to spend like 45 minutes just chatting up bill king one time and he absolutely loves ron zook i think ron zook is his on a personal level his favorite coach he's ever interacted wow. with wow he you absolutely know, loves the guy we should have now that he he's with team it would be impossible but when he was sans team we should have just reached out to him on twitter and took a moonshot oh yeah to see if he'd just come on no he'd be a that. blast to hang out with just oh, pounding natty natty lights <laughs> Benching. And you're not just saying that. It was pseudo confirmed that he's an Addy Light guy. Yeah, right? it was I was told that at some I don't know, some function in Champagne, I don't remember what it was, that he was just absolutely hammering Natty Lights. And that, that was his preferred brand. And I don't know. So Bill King always makes references to Natty Light, or he used to. Yeah. Maybe it might have been from that. I'm not from sure. That. That's the power of Zuck. But I just, I'm, never know. I'm excited to have him back. Absolutely. And Maryland fans, just don't be too, don't have too high of a bar for your special teams next year. Is all I'm saying. But have a high bar of entertainment. Entertainment, and and you know what? He's known as a recruiter, so yes. he'll, he'll be out there on the trail. You know what I think that staff needs? Somebody that's known for recruiting and not coaching. That's <laughs> just what it's right up their alley. I mean. And of course, Locks and we him. Kid, we kid. Locks and him have the. The, the history from Champagne. They were yes. together for the, yep. the famed Rose yep. Bowl appearance. In These coaches love to, they love to bring the camp, the old band back together well, all the so time as much as possible. Zucker gave Locks an opportunity. He's just paying him back. There you go. All right. We good? Yeah. That's housekeeping. All right. That will get us into the meat and potatoes portion of the podcast where we will break down three teams as discussed. It will be Penn State, Purdue, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, I will do my my precursor to the pod again that I've done in the past. These We have a little cadence that we work through, which is going through the schedule, yes, game by game, in a pretty efficient fashion. Then we will pick out the biggest moment, the offensive MVP, the defensive MVP, a special MVP that could be a special teams player, or what is oftentimes just somebody else that we'd like to mention, and then we will give a team grade. Sound good, Bicker? Yes, sir. All right. The Penn State Nittany Lions finished the season four and five, so they got to play all nine games on their schedule. Not a lot of teams that got to say that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, and we actually got two of those on this podcast, I believe. So, all right. Penn State fans... I wonder what their engagement will even be on listening to this podcast. My my guess is low. Pretty low. Yes. Pretty low. 
Um, I hope not because I feel like I have some positive things that I'm going to mix in with this podcast. So hopefully they give it a listen. It's not all bad for my end either. It is. Okay, good. All right. So to start the year off, the well-documented, insanely uh, entertaining game, but from a Penn State fan's point of view, painful game, the 36 to 35 overtime loss to uh, Indiana. So I don't think I'm being too hyperbolic when I say this game, this result wrapped this entire season in a wet blanket that they hardly got out of. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I wonder how far you'd have to go back with Penn state fans to find a more devastating loss. Really? How about this? How many times have they even lost their home opener? Boy, it ain't very often. Yeah. I bet you got to go back to like 1902 (laughs) or, like a obscure kickoff classic, you know, type yeah. of game, something like that. But didn't they usually did those at neutral sites? Yeah. Or and you're talking like a a a home loss. Well, this was at Indiana, so um oh, we don't know what we're talking about then. So, point being I do think I I do think this was a almost irrecoverable loss to start the year out. I mean, it kind of was because you knew you had Ohio State coming up though. Well, but if you beat Ohio State, you right. still got the lead there. I, th- I don't I know. I think by Wednesday or Thursday, Penn State fans had talked themselves into, you know, but if we beat Penn State, the, the loss is to a certain degree erased and we can get back on with the They season. beat Ohio State, yeah. Be- beat Ohio State. But I think they also knew their chances of beating Ohio State after losing to Indiana were low. And that's kind of what played out. I mean, well, they looked decent. Again, they lost 38 to 25 next week. And remember, they really put IU's offense on hold that that almost that whole game to the very, very end. Correct. But then like they looked like they were gonna lose it, but then they scored the touchdown, the long touchdown. I mean, at Penn the State very end, Indiana. They should have beat them. Like like lost in all of this is Penn State. Snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, and it's and they that had, was a, that added to the salt in the wound, and it, it certainly did. And let's be honest, there was a questionable call with Penix's tip, just getting barely penetrating <laughs> the end zone there, or did it penetrate? We don't know. Yep, played, I mean there was <laughs> they played just the tip at the very end of the game. There was a lot of things with that game that caused pain. Um, then the next week. The the result that we kind of were expecting happened. They get beat by Ohio State. Looked pretty good. Looked pretty good. Yeah. So you still think this is a solid team? I was. Um, I was too. I was a little bit nervous about the psyche, but I thought they would mostly depants Maryland the next week. In fact, I'm pretty sure I lost some scratch on the result of this game. Because holy cow, they lose to Maryland thirty-five to nineteen. And it, it was worse than that. It wasn't that close. No, it was the. I think in the you know if you picked out three of the most surprising results of the year, that was up there for me. Oh, I think that was it for me. Yeah, I think that was number one. Number one. Okay, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what else could it be? Michigan but, State beating Michigan. Nah, no, okay. no. This is but to me after Ohio State that they, they had no. They really had no chance, realistically, at winning the East. And this, and we can't go too deep into this, but like this is where I believe the weird pandemic year plays in even more than most years on a team that expects to be in the Big Ten championship, like Penn State. At this point, they're like, 
We don't even know if we're playing the rest of the season. We yeah. don't know if they're doing bulls. Not to what mention- are they supposed to even shoot for at this point? I'm not trying to like necessarily make excuses. I'm just stating the reality of sure. the situation. And not to mention, I don't know what practices look like. I don't know that Franklin and everybody had the same access to all the players to like boost their confidence back That's up. Good point. So I, I'm not surprised necessarily they lost to Maryland. It's the way they lost to Maryland. Then the next week they travel to Lincoln and we have two winless teams playing and they lose another one to Nebraska. Not a good win or not a good loss right there. I mean, I know it's on the road, but that was a struggling Nebraska team at that time. Not a good loss. Next week they come back home and play Iowa. Iowa was definitely the better team in this game. Yeah, and that one's – I mean, Iowa, I think, was the better team on the year, so I'm, that's not a surprising loss to me. I would... But but in in previous years, Penn State and Iowa had always played really close games that Penn State had pulled out. This looked completely yeah. different than Iowa-Penn State games anytime yep. in the recent memory. So now they're sitting at 0-5. I'm pretty sure that is as low – and as disengaged of a Penn State fan base that I have seen, definitely since I've been on Twitter, probably in my lifetime. Yeah, the I would say maybe the lowest moment I can remember is remember they lost to Toledo at home that one time in like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand ish. I remember I, I'm I wasn't that engaged with Penn State fans back then. That must have been a pretty low moment. I don't know. If there was one lower. You probably have to go back that far. Right. So Losing to Toledo at home. So 0-5. It's tough. But this is where they're starting to gain my respect, right? They could have pitched the tent, but they didn't. And they beat Michigan. And it wasn't a great game. It didn't look like two awesome teams. But I'm just saying, man, like I have, I have a lot of – I want to give a lot of credit to any team – that is put in a tough spot like that, that responds sure. and fights of back out of it. So they did it. They, they, they beat Michigan. I mean, honestly, at 0-5, you figure they're probably just going to pack in the season, right? not show up. I mean, I guarantee there was Penn State fans that were probably sitting there like, we just want one win. We don't want to go winless sure. because that's it. we're going to get that rubbed in our face the rest of our lives. Then they beat Rutgers the next week. Rutgers isn't a bad team, right? This was a team that made life miserable for a lot of other Big Ten uh uh, foes and they they pull that game out and they beat Michigan State. The offense even looks good during Michigan State. Thirty nine points they put up and then they're rolling. Not a good time for Illinois to have caught Penn State and they just roll Illinois fifty six to twenty one. This was a team that you could make the argument they got better by the end of the year. Oh, there's no doubt they okay. got better. Okay, for sure. Right, and I believe James Franklin gets bagged on. Too much? This is just in my point Probably of view. Probably a little bit too much. Yeah. A little bit too much at the very least. They deserve some credit for, for pulling this back out. All right, biggest moment. What do you got? Well, even though it's Michigan, I'm going with Michigan. I mean, okay. clearly turns around their season, starts some you know, finally winning games, and then they roll off four in a row. They righted the ship, never looked back. I think going back to IU, confidence was a problem. They regained it that day versus Michigan. I got nothing to add because I believe that is the correct answer. And I I agree with you. It saved the season. It was, it was a season saving win offensive MVP, I think is also equally as obvious. I've got wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. He was the number one offensive playmaker in two categories, statistics 
and amazing plays. And typically those two things go together. I mean, 52 catches, 884 yards and eight touchdowns. That might get your first team all Big Ten in a 12-game season. Dude was electric. Absolutely. KJ who? I'm going with wide receiver Jahan Dotson as well. He is the new KJ Hamler. Uh, he had guy has great quicks, great hands, great speed. He high points the ball, the one-handed catch against Sean Wade. He just worked Sean Wade that entire game against Ohio State. Long TDs on the season against Illinois twice, IU once, Iowa once. I mean, he was fantastic, and there's reason to be excited next year for him. Shocking that he came back. I'm excited that he came back, and so should Penn State fans. All right, defensive MVP, what do you got? I went with linebacker Ellis Brooks just because okay. he was the most productive guy on this team. They didn't have a huge standout guy that they probably would have had if Micah Parsons had not opted out. Uh, Shaka Tony, Oway, they didn't really show up and have great years. So Ellis Brooks just did, had the most production on the defense. So I'm going with him. Okay. I... I looked at uh, defensive tackle Antonio Shelton. I mean, getting three and a half sacks from the defensive tackle spot looks really good to me. I still went with Shaka Tony. I mean, five sacks, that is ranking high in the Big Ten. He it, he, it would behoove him to work on his all-around game. He needs to flash a little bit more in, in just overall tackles. But I still feel like my guess is if you talk to offensive coordinators – and they looked at the game film. I bet you they said we have to come up with a plan for Shaka Tony. And they, he still got five sacks on the season and made a lot of flash plays. So that's my guy. Uh, special MVP. Um, I mean, we, you could go specialist here because kicker Jake Pinniger, dude, he had a really good year. Very steady. He's been steady his whole career. So a shout out to him. I, I find myself typically, though, leaning towards the future with my special MVP. So I, I, to a certain degree, I thought he would be a bigger splash this year, but I still went with running back Kasiah Holmes. I, when I saw it, I saw it like it looks exciting. I think if they can get a little bit improved quarterback play, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into it, but with Dotson on the outside and if Kaziah Holmes can take that leap up, I, I think they got some exciting players and, and he's one of them. Interesting. I also thought about Pinnaker didn't go with him. And I also went with a future guy, Parker Washington, wide receiver, came on at the end of the year, and and he showed the flash that we had been hearing from Penn State fans. This guy's the next big thing. With with him and Dotson next year, if Holmes comes on, look out. This is going to be a dangerous team offensively if they can get the quarterback position figured out. They still got to get that figured out. Are you feeling better, Penn State fans? We're trying. I. And we're not even. I'm not really trying. I'm just saying what I what I feel. Facts. All right. What do you got, Team Grand? Okay. This is really difficult. It it's is such a one. weird. It is. They went five to four and five. I got to give them credit for for pulling it back, but still, they were looking at competing for the East Championship and a Big Ten Championship. I went with a C minus okay. because I look back at that Maryland game, and that that was just. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to bag on Maryland, but it's inexcusable the way they lost that game. Okay, so. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much I can add. I got a C. I've, I've got a okay. solid C. Um, I, I, I do think situationally, Penn State was put in a tough spot. If if things were ju- if we just did this right, this is what I I couldn't get away from. If we just flip flopped uh, Rutgers and Indiana, 
So they start the year off sure. with a win, okay? Right. Then lose to Ohio State. To a certain degree, I think Penn State fans, and maybe even the players and coaches, I know they, they weren't, but bear with me here. Maybe to a certain degree, that was expected by all involved. They could have recovered from that Ohio State loss better sure. and kept chugging along with the season. I know that's not what happened. I don't know. This is a, you know if and what type of deal. But I just feel like if that was the case, the season would have looked different. But even though it didn't, and they started out 0-5, I just I have a ton of respect for anybody that can go in, that can not, you know, cash in the chips, keep working, and stay at it, and I want to give them credit for it. And by the way, I went, I wavered everywhere from a C-plus all the way down to a C-minus, but yeah. I couldn't take my eyes off that Maryland game. And one thing that I want to throw in there is that they maybe – face the most adversity of any team having Parsons opt out journey Brown has to retire unfortunately before the season Great points Pratt fire Pratt Firemuth Pat Fryermuth has a season ending injury that I, I can't remember all the running backs that got and injured I think James I think the and the, the hardships at home with yes. James Franklin and his family you I, I, I believed that was an issue I could judge justify a C plus to be honest with you okay. but I'm going to C minus just because I can't I, take my eyes off that Maryland game the the C instead because my only debate was C or C plus my, my biggest things to knock it from a, a C plus to a, a C was the Maryland game and also your Penn State your Penn State like you right. just you shouldn't do you shouldn't do this because you're so talented and I feel like Penn State fans should wear that as a badge of honor because I mostly mean that as a compliment. And I guarantee you we're giving them higher grades than Penn State fans. I think that's fair. I would. I hope we hear from Penn State fans because I'm, I'm curious about that. All right, next game, our next team up, excuse me, from the West, the Purdue Boilermakers finishing two and four. So the previous team played nine games. This one only played six. How they start the year out? They started the year by beating Iowa. 24 to 20. Um, I think the spread at this game was only Iowa by three or four points. Yeah. Um, sounds right. So, I mean, technically speaking, it wasn't a huge win Vegas uh, from a Vegas point of view. With that being said, I think most people expected Iowa to win that game. I know I did to start the year with that win like that. That was big. That, that, that looked awesome for Purdue to start the year. It surprised me. Okay. I didn't expect it. Okay. You're more neutral than me on that. So, I thought I was going to win that game. I thought I was going to win that game during that game a couple times, but they did not. Mostly because of David Bell, who I bet we talk about later. <laughs> we His name may come up. Next week up. Hey, let's get the pod all together now. We're all in the same boat of misery. Beat Illinois 31-24. to Neither team came out of this game looking aesthetically pleasing. I think the ugliest game I watched all year. It... It fell at the top of the ugly tree and like hit all the branches Everyone. on the way down and then got pulled back up to about mid mid tree level and got dropped again. Got dropped again. Yeah. 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 But hey, guess what? Purdue is sitting at two and oh. Purdue is two and oh. They're pulling it together. Jeff Brom is doing wizardry Jeff Brom things. I mean, this was a little bit kind of was, was, but I was like Ron Burgundy sitting there saying, I don't believe you. I have to admit, I was a little bit more intoxicated with the Bromness than you were at yeah. that point. Yeah. You and actually uh, Darren the American both were pretty adamant saying, this is not a good football team. I should have listened to both of you. Next week, they're supposed to go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin pulls the rug out from under Purdue, so that's how that game was not played. Then they go to play division, I can't say rival, but opponent in Northwestern. 
Northwestern, a team that basically reversed them in the win-loss column, only beats them 27-20. to 20. I mean, this wasn't a game where, because, you know. That's, that's what they do. That's how it goes. But they lose to Northwestern, so now they're sitting at 2-1. and one. Now they play Minnesota. This was a turning point of the season because they win this game. You're sitting at 3-1. and one. Right. You're all but assured a winning season, probably a bowl game. Not only do they lose on the road on a Friday night to Minnesota. Okay, it's a full game. There's a lot of calls and plays during the game. And there were some bad ones both ways. There, there was. But one of the baddest, worst calls, maybe oh, definitely yeah. of the whole season. I mean, it's it's up there. Yeah. It's in the team picture, for sure. Helps, pr- helps Purdue win this game. Helps Purdue lose the game. Or, excuse me, lo- lose the game. And helps PJ lose his freaking mind. Go running off the screen. I wonder if this was the the midseason gut punch that was. Oh, just, I think it was. It 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 was. They just couldn't come. They couldn't insurmount it. They, they were hanging on it. It by a string, and this is what just clipped the string and, but and I mean, started look the free at this, fall. Though, hanging on by a string, they're only two and one with a with a a, a one touchdown loss to the eventual Big Ten West champion. No, I'm saying after Minnesota. Now they're 2-2. and No, two. but I'm saying, like, you, you said, like, they were hanging on by a string coming into the game. Well, okay. That's overstating it. Like, I guess maybe that. It could have been 3-1. and one. Right, but. It's great, but that's that's the power of a stinky loss. And, and you know, a, a great win can completely cure things. It was, it was huge. Mm. It was. I still think they were a paper champ, even if okay. they'd gone 3-1. and one. That's fair. I think we're both right somehow. Maybe. Okay. Then they follow that up, and now we're off the rails. They lose 37-30 <laughs> to 30 to Rutgers. Their their defense was a wet paper bag in this game. Yeah. Fair to say? Yeah. So now they're Against sitting, the Rutgers offense, that wasn't great. No. Let's be honest. That was one of the best performances by Rutgers offense the whole year, and I think it mostly was because of the Bobby Diaco defense that was being coordinated, if we can use that term here during this game. Then they give up 37 points again to a Nebraska team that wasn't explosive high scoring offense either. Right? Right. The elixir, the elixir of your offense by the end of the year was to catch Purdue and Bobby Diaco's defense by the end. Want to see something amazing that I just noticed here are their opponents point totals by week 20 24 27 34 37 37 they give up more points each successive week or at least equivalent almost almost, yeah that's amazing that's hard to do not great bob if we had gotten another field goal by nebraska that would have been pretty like just incredible like a three three four to seven point increment every week it would it would almost seem to lend itself that Bobby Diaco's defense had started to get figured out by Big Ten offensive coordinators and coaching staffs, and he did not have the ability to adjust. Yeah, started getting figured out right around Northwestern. I would say that's fair. Then they are supposed to play for the old Oaken Bucket, not Ah. once, but twice. Ah. Tough. I I, I really wish one Ah. of these uh, games would have went played, so did not happen. And remember, that was an IU team that was minus a Michael Penix at that point, too. Who knows? Who knows yeah. what would have happened? So that's the end of the season. They finished two and four. Biggest moment, I, I think it's about their only good moment of the year, is starting the year off beating Iowa. That's all I got. It's, it's in retrospect, a little surprising, I would say, by the end of the year. 
timing played into it. If I could throw that out a little bit with Iowa starting a rookie quarterback that looked got awful in that game, but that's the, that's the big win that that was the best Purdue fans felt all year long was after that game. No doubt. Okay. Or maybe when Payne Durham scored that touchdown before the flag was thrown. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's that's another good point. All right, offensive MVP. I have. I have. David Bell. Oh, he scares me. He is scary. Uh, yeah, obviously, David Bell. Fifty-three catches, six hundred twenty-five yards, eight touchdowns in six games. Come on, that's just ridiculous. I mean, again, twelve-game season stats that he put up in six games. And you know, six games, dude. I I realized Rondale Moore was hurt for much of the season, but even with which should have made life harder on him. It should have, but even with Rondale Moore in the lineup, he is clearly the best player on this team to me. I there, think. I, I yes. I mean, I I think there's some debate on who will be the uh, who was the best college player. I think the best pro will hands down be David Bell. Well, I think it will be David Bell as well, but I think if you go back over their their college careers, David Bell's going to be so much more productive. I don't know how you can't give it to him in college, too. Okay. I mean, you know, a I'd lot of that— from Purdue fans. A lot that. of that's obviously injury for Rondell Moore. It's not really fair. He really only played like a season and a half, and, you know, a handful of those games were him kind of still hobbling around a little bit. So I don't want to uh, bag on Rondell Moore too much. But, yeah, I think if you go back— Purdue fans are going to remember David Bell. You know, Rondell Moore had that huge game against Ohio State, right? But yep. then he'd only played about a season outside of that. It's crazy. It's yep. crazy. Yep. Defensive MVP. Ah, Derek Barnes. Yep. This is one of the best players in the Big Ten. I think he doesn't get enough credit. He's the b- best player in their defense easily. Um, Stats don't jump off the page necessarily. Don't jump off the page. But when you watched him, he jumped off of the screen, I thought. Kay. He was fantastic. Okay. I agree. Don't disagree. Figured you would go with that. Uh, Want to give a shout out to George Karlofkis because he would have been the MVP probably if he played the whole year and and was healthy. But I went with defensive coordinator Bobby Diaco oh, because boy. I just loved having Bobby back in the Big Ten, if only for six games. Oh, poor Bobby. I'm a little tongue in cheek here. Think about but, that. Oh, he man. came back to the Big Ten for six games. Has anybody ever done that? Just Bobby D. Just Bobby D. But, Bobby Disco, we're going to miss you, man. Oh, man. But it's awesome that the that we have a void filled with the aforementioned Zucker. Yes, sir. It's great. Um, special MVP. Um, you know, I was like, I, I kind of was like, okay, I'll look at the quarterback's play. I mean, Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell's stats, I believe you could just switch them themselves. I think you could tell Aiden O'Connell – his stats from last year were Jack Plummer's sure. and vice versa. And I don't think either one of them would even notice. Wouldn't even notice. I think you could put the one jersey on the other guy, put him out there, and none of us would notice. <laughs> All right. Um, so I couldn't give it to either one of them. Okay. Um, I, th- I kind of looked at tight end Payne Durham. He, he's he, a guy that can flash. Like yeah. I think he's a guy that can play in the NFL. But for the special MVP, I went with David Bell again. Okay. <laughs> because I'm hoping if I appease <laughs> David Bell and the David Bell gods, sure. maybe he will not rain hell down on my Iowa Hawkeyes again. Okay, so I took a different path here. 
I went with running back Xander Horvath because I thought he had a breakout year, maybe the breakout year in the Big Ten. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at it. But he was highly productive offensively. If you look at him, had 442 yards rushing, also had 304 yards receiving. So that was first on the team by far rushing and third on the team receiving yards. So I feel like you take Xander Horvath off that team. I don't know. I'm just not sure what, yeah. what kind of effectiveness no, the you made a good, have. You made a good case. I I just don't think Xander Horvath kept any defensive coordinators up at night. Um, he I, didn't. I'm just like, imagine if he wasn't there. That's a good point. I don't know. I think if King Daru is healthier and I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Okay. Good luck with that. Okay. Team grade. I went with a C minus. Um, li- I mean, literally the highlight of the season. I'm, I'm sorry, Purdue fans, but like I, Iowa kind of gave the game away. I, 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 okay. Thank you. That was the highlight. And a, one of the worst games played by Iowa the for the year that, that is your, highlight of the season, the first game of the year. And then it was just a straight downhill slide from there. And I, I said that I was going to be very, I wasn't going to give a lot of D's out because at least these players and athletes and coaches, they, they gave the effort to play. So I'm not going to give Purdue a D C minus seems to be a fair grade. And I rest my case. So I might've gone, I might've been a little too generous here because you made a good case there. They did play, you know, well against Iowa and well enough to beat them. Then you go, they beat Illinois, a bad Illinois team with their four-string quarterback. And I'm going to remind everyone, Illinois got down to the 10-yard line as time expired, and they were down by seven points with their four-string quarterback. That's what it took for you to beat Illinois. So I gave him a solid C, but I'm feeling maybe a little too generous here. No, that's fine. And you seem to be an easier grader than me. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm in a good mood. Good. I like it when you're in a good mood. I like it when anybody's in a good mood, to be honest with you. You know who I really like when... The- this person's in a good mood. Probably your wife. Yeah. Yes. That's that's preferable. When All was, right. When I was married, I don't remember that happening a whole lot. Moving on. With me, personally. <laughs> the Rutgers Scarlet Knights chopping away and getting three wins playing all nine games. We have the only two teams that played nine games on this podcast. Yeah, how about that? Almost a theme. So three and six, uh, Rutgers starts. How'd they start the year off? With a surprising win. They win at Michigan State 38 to 27. They forced approximately 82 turnovers in that game. Or as Michigan State fans would say, Michigan State gave up the ball 82 times. I don't care. Either way, most people were predicting Rutgers to maybe win one game. They had one win in the win column week one. Amazing. Huge deal. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I And I actually, I had 27 turnovers. You said 82. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to look that I up. I lost Okay. And then next up, we play the, what many people would consider the second best team in the Big Ten, maybe third, the Indiana Hoosiers. They lose 37-21. We maybe, I mean, we had a clue how good Indiana was at that time. But still, this was another game when we walked away saying, dang, Rutgers is plucky. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, we already were starting to sing the praises of Shiano at this point, I believe, correct? Oh, I think I was singing his praises from week one. Actually, maybe even off season. I mean, Indiana had come off beating Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's that you hung in there. Yep. Way to go. Next game is uh at Ohio State. Tough to go in the horseshoe, get a win. They do not. They lose forty nine to twenty seven, but a message was sent in that game. 
They chopped and chopped the whole game. They did that. Remember, they just threw everything, including the kitchen sink at Ohio State in that game. Loved it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like onside kicks, trick plays, you name it. They came at him with everything. If somebody ever said to me, oh, come on, it's impossible to send a message to your team when you lose 49 to 27, I would say, (laughs) I've got an example for you. That was it. Next week, they lose to Illinois 23 to 20. And I believe this was a this was a juice point. Oh, that was it was juice's first start ever. So they had, you know, very little film on them. They didn't know who was playing. All of a sudden, this little jitterbug comes out there and they can't get their hands on them. That was a tough loss. I would say it was a tough loss. Yeah, that was that was probably a loss that would sting is, I think, if you ask Rutgers fans that year from this past year, probably up there unless we go I would, to next week and yeah, they lose. No, it's got to be the next week. But I think the point I'm trying to make is that was a stinging loss for them. And then they go into play Michigan. Uh, I believe you and I believe Dustin Schutte too. Um, I felt like you guys like really thought Rutgers uh, snag defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was that obvious to me. Um, anyway, either way, they lose. But any more comments on the game to Michigan over over to a uh, three overtime game? I mean, I believe wasn't there a, a missed field goal at the, at at the end of regulation, okay. like a missed short field goal. I, I should have looked that up. I didn't but think I, it was in my mind as short as I thought it was. Cause it was, you know, Valentino yeah. Carocchio or whatever yeah. the heck his name was. Yeah. Now don't get me wrong. Do I, do I, did I foresee a scenario where Rutgers won this game? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> should have, I mean, what, how big would it have been had Rutgers win this bang, game? Immense. Oh gosh, beating the both Michigans in the same season. Who would have guessed that before the year? That was a tough loss, and you have got to give them credit. And this is Shiano again, rebounding the next week and beating Purdue and putting up thirty-seven points in this game. Boy, I, and just look at their look at their output in points. Yeah, I mean 40, 30, 38 or uh, thirty-eight, twenty-one, twenty-seven, twenty. Now remember how bad this offense was. That's what I was going to say. I don't. Right. I don't remember what they scored last year, but it's probably not more than two of these games put together. An overtime in conference, 42, anyway. 37 points. I mean, the offense at one point were like, "Jesus, a pretty good offense." Yeah, it was incredible. Then a little, a little bit of a buzz call, buzz saw. Penn State decides to go ahead and clamp down and play some defense. Damn near shut them out. Twenty-three to seven, they lose the game. Then they bounce back. Beat Maryland, another overtime game. This time they come out with the win, 27 to 24. Then last game of the year, they get hit with the turnover. But no, I take that back. No, uh Rucker, uh Nebraska was the one that turned the ball over at a breakneck speed hmm. in this game. But unfortunately, unlike the Michigan State game, they couldn't pull out the win and they lose 28 to 21 to finish the season. Three and six. Biggest moment. All right, biggest moment. I'm going with Michigan State because it set the tone for the season and it put the entire conference on alert. This is not an automatic win this year. And by the way, you could have chosen any one of their three wins. By the way, all three of them were on the road. Did you notice that? Wow. Didn't even think about that. At Michigan State, at Purdue, at Maryland. Way to go, Rutgers. Obviously, the road situation is a little bit, you know, watered down this year. But still, that's very impressive. I had the same. Um, I I thought maybe you would throw in a different – 
I honestly almost put down the Michigan loss because it was such a highlight of the year for Big Ten fans. But for Rutgers fans, getting that first win out of the year, you kind of felt like you were playing with the casino's money for the rest of the year. Offensive MVP, I feel like it's pretty obvious with wide receiver Bo Melton. Again, another one of those guys, 47 catches, 638 yards, six touchdowns. That maybe would have played for all-conference numbers even in a 12-game schedule. And I believe eight touchdowns total. So obviously Isaiah Pacheco, great player. Uh, first on the team in rushing, fourth in receiving yards. But, yeah, I'm going with Bo Melton. If for no other reason, then look at how putrid this passing offense was the last two years. And that poor bastard had to play in that offense That's with nobody being able to get him the gosh darn ball. And finally, somebody could get him the ball this year, and he got to, you know, show who he really was. He, we could tell he was a good player. He just wasn't given the opportunities, and he finally got him this last year. That's a great point. Uh, defensive MVP. Feel like I feel like I know. Not only with the play, not only with the stats, the greatest name I think in the Big Ten this year. He's, yeah, he's at least up there, right? Yeah, there's that that defensive tackle from Indiana, Satumufu Afuakaua. Good job. Um, but I, I like Alakunle. Alakunle Fatukasi because I can pronounce it. And one tackles. Hundred one tackles. Did he have a hundred and one? Yes, three sacks. A pass defended, a fumble forced, a fumble recovery. Buck is award semifinalist, first team All Big Ten. Only the media, I believe. Come on, coaches. I I don't know. Hard hard pressed to find somebody that looked better than that guy this year. Oh, I I am I, I'm going to be in. I want to start searching his name and see if he's got a shot. Like what? I hope he gets drafted. Is, is what I'm saying. I hope this is a guy that gets to continue his career. I think he, I don't know why he wouldn't. I think he's fantastic. I mean, measurables, I have no idea. We don't get to watch the combine this year. I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on him. I mean, I did think about Christian Ezian. Don't get me wrong with those four interceptions, but I just couldn't pass up Alakunde. Special MVP was my special MVP for the entire conference. So it's got to be for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights too. Wide receiver, kick punt returner, Aaron Kirkshank. His wide receiver stats, not eye-popping, but i this was a guy that I believe special teams coordinators had to prepare for. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good answer. It's probably the obvious answer, but selfishly, I'm going with Johnny Football Langan Tebow. I'm adding Tebow to the end. Johnny Football Langan Tebow is his new name because he gave them an identity and he gave them a toughness, and I, w- I just get excited when he's in the game, and I like watching the guy. And I knew you would go with Johnny Langan, so that's why I went with Aaron Coach. All right. Team grade, what do you got? I went with an A minus wow. because of that Michigan loss. I would have given him an A. Huh. I thought about giving him an A anyway. Yikes. Okay. You I really needed you. Hey. I really needed you in like the late nineties, early two thousands grading grading papers for me. It's this is my podcast, damn it. And yes, I'm chugging the Scarlet Kool-Aid today. I'm I chug it daily. And look, this is a team that I mean, probably many people said they're going to win zero games. I thought it was going to win one. They damn near won four. I don't know how you can't give them anything but a, a high grade. I, I'm, I'm not giving anybody with three wins as opposed to six losses an A grade. I'm Have sorry. you watched this team the last I, two years? Okay. I'm probably going to eat my words here or, or talk out of two sides of my mouth is probably the best way of putting it. Over expectations, incredible job incredible job yeah. okay i i get it but you won three games okay and and we need to shoot higher like Rutgers fans 
I'm not they, saying they, they believe, shouldn't. They believe in the future. Okay, you're what, saying it. I think they achieved about as much as they could achieve last year. No, beating Michigan, winning. That's I mean, why I went with a minus. Okay, I mean, if they in some way would have won one more game and not played another, right? Won another game and not played. So went four and four. I would have given them an A minus. Okay, what like, did you give them? B plus. Well, one little incremental way. Between a B plus and an A minus, that's it's like three points difference. How big big of a difference does it? It's like the difference between being six foot and five eleven. It is a big difference, (laughs) right? I think they're six foot. I think they're five eleven. Okay, but I think they're a they're a proud, they're a well built five eleven, and they should be happy about that. Yes. Okay. Anything else? No, that's all I got. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.